2: Hey, Charger fans, welcome in to another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. I am Steven, your host, and with me as
3: always is Jason. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. I'm feeling really good. I'm glad it is still not as hot as the weather has claimed it should be here. <laughs> yeah, it's warming up for sure. So we do have a special episode today. Joining
2: us today on our episode is Marcus Whitman, who is that franchise guy on YouTube and on Twitter. Uh, he's got a great YouTube channel out for those who are interested in going and watching it. I do recommend that you do. He's got some great content, uh, including a, um, a recording of him playing Madden with his girlfriend, which is some must-watch TV, if I must, if I might say so myself. Uh, so, Marcus, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great, guys. Thanks for having me. Me and Jason have been talking about doing this for a while, so it's good to finally be here. A long
2: time due. Yeah, for sure. We're we're super excited to, to have you on here and, and get some good insight on on the NFL as a whole and definitely the Chargers. So we'll start with some national news, you know, that the ESPN redraft that came out recently turned a lot of heads. And I know you talked about that on your YouTube channel. Uh, What were some of your main takeaways from that ESPN redraft and and what were some things that you would change from that article that they put out? (laughs) Yeah, that, that thing just got me all
1: wound up because it's become like, you know, household forever to make fun of ESPN at this point. But that was almost like overkill, right? Like you have, for starters, they have an offensive tackle going sixth, which I did my own exercise for this. And it was Ronnie Stanley and Stanley's a beast. But right. in this kind of situation, which like it's a serpentine, uh, serpentine type deal where you're going to have to sit there for 50 picks and watch all these quarterbacks come off the board. I just, that one first stood out to me, but I think the biggest one, and I'm sure Chargers Nation is going to get behind this one too, but Drew Locke over the names that they had on that list was hilarious. Like Kyler Murray, right after Drew Locke. Um, uh, Actually, I I would take Drew Locke over Teddy Bridgewater, but then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Matthew Stafford, to Like, there's so many other quarterbacks that I'm taking right. over Drew Locke, who is so just unproven. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was way too high at 18th ahead of some of those other names. Is Kirk Cousins even on the list? I
2: don't think so.
3: Kirk Cousins um, is, like, always forgotten.
2: I want to say he was later, like, in the second round. Like, I think the Chargers could have taken him when they got back to them in the second. But, yeah, I don't think he went for a long time.
1: Yep, no Daniil Hunter on the list. Who has got to be one of the first edge, just non quarterbacks off the board in general. Uh, not in the top thirty-two. You got a running back on that list at twenty. It's it's just a disaster. Um, who is the running ESPN, back? Christian McCaffrey at twenty to the Rams. Oh man.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of get that just because of the receiving ability there, but shoot. I, I'm surprised that it takes, especially ESPN, so long to realize how running backs are valued in the NFL right now.
1: It's – I know we're going to talk about Dalvin Cook in a second. Maybe it's a good seg- uh, segue yeah. into that. But um, I'm seeing some just laughable stuff out there about running backs to this point um, just surrounding the Dalvin Cook holdout. And I saw someone suggest that the uh, the Dolphins should trade a first-round pick for Dalvin Cook. Oh, oh man! <laughs> oh man! Um, yeah, the the NFL world just has not woken up to the uh, modern value of the running back position.
2: Yeah, it's been weird because obviously the Chargers had Melvin Gordon, and yeah, I liked Melvin Gordon. You know, he had a couple of good seasons, and then he held out, and then he refused a lot of money, and and it was just a, a roller coaster season. And then he came back too early from the holdout, or too late, depending on who you ask. Um, so the running back market in general is, is obviously trending down, uh, ever since Todd Gurley and David Johnson got paid and everyone's kind of like realizing, okay, like these long-term deals for running backs just don't make sense. And so Dalvin cook, it came out that, uh, from Adam Schefter that he's going to hold out until he is given a long-term extension. Dalvin cook is a fine player, but he's missed 20 games so far in his NFL career. So I assume you would not pay him. Uh, a long-term deal. How do you see that situation panning out, and what would you do? Uh, it's really tough in the Vikings' case because
1: they're one of these teams that's really trying to like milk out their window, and um, they are also one of four teams between the Vikings, Titans, Niners, and Packers right now where they run this scheme that actually really needs that speed element um, at the running back position. Uh, so they are in an interesting spot. But the problem is Dalvin Cook is going to be asking for top top dollar, like close to what Christian McCaffrey got. Right. And it's, it's tough because I think that if Dalvin Cook does not play for the Vikings this year, it might be one of those rare spots where that actually is going to have a big impact on their season. I wouldn't say that about a lot of teams, but because of that outside zone scheme, I don't think Alexander Madison's going to be an elite, you know, big play threat in that play action heavy outside zone scheme. Is it Mike Boone? It could be, but <laughs> it's tough because they are one of these really win now teams. But if you give him that massive contract, you're already giving Kirk Cousins, who needs all that help around him, so much money. You're jeopardizing your future to a massive degree if you give him what he's going to ask for. Right. So it's tough. It's tough. And this is I think why lives running backs keep getting paid because these coaches and these GMs, they know that their job security isn't infinite and they have to make some of these tough win now decisions. So I would, I would not do it. Um, I would hope that if I was a general manager, I would have more, stability to be in a position like a bill right. belichick where you can let some of these guys go but if they do pay him i i would understand it i would say it's the wrong thing to do but again that that's me kind of playing devil's advocate there and if it does happen um, but no I, I would not do it i, I don't think it's the right team building move for them and you hope that a guy like mike boone would just step up
3: so now my question is is this the smart thing for Dalvin cook to do
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm totally pro running backs holding out because I would do the same if I was in their position. And it's funny, all these people on Twitter are like, I don't think he's the guy that would do it. Referring to like Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones. And it's like, you can be a great teammate, but also keep your career in mind. I think Dalvin Cook's contract is $1.2 million. As you said, he's missed, was it 30, 20. 20 or 30? 20 20 out of what 48 like yeah. 50 possible games. Yeah, I mean if he if he tears his ACL or gets an Achilles tear, that's 30 40 million dollars that he's not going to get in free agency. So absolutely, that's there's true. no way in hell I'd be playing for 1.2 $1. <laughs> $1. million dollars when I I just might be the best, you know, runner of the football in the NFL right now. Right. Yeah, especially
2: him backs. because of his injuries. You know, he's had so many injuries and so that sense of security does make sense. Um, so that, you know, you mentioned Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, those guys. Do you see this holdout trend continuing? You know, obviously we had Le'Veon Bell and then Melvin Gordon and now Talvin Cook. Is the holdout trend for running backs going to continue?
1: I I definitely think
2: there's really three names right
1: now. uh Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara and Joe Mixon. I would be really surprised if one of them did not hold out. Um, it is interesting. There's now performance escalators in these guys' contracts. Uh, they, you know, these they get kind of screwed on these rookie contracts. But I know Aaron Jones boosted it up to like two mil, I think, this year. I'm sure it's pretty similar for Kamara and Mixon as well. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough it's a tough business decision for these guys to make. Uh, but I I would be pretty surprised. If at least one of those guys did not hold out, I would rank it Camara most likely, then Mixon, then Aaron Jones. But yeah, I think we'll see some
2: more coming. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think the running back position is just you know it's in a tough spot from the player perspective. Uh, so I do want to move on to some Chargers talk. You know, uh, you were pretty vocal about the quarterback class in general this year, and then obviously the Chargers took Justin Herbert. Um, what are your thoughts on Justin Herbert as a player and? And, you know, you can mention the Chargers training up for Kenneth Murray as well if you want, Um, but just your general thoughts on on the quarterback situation for the Chargers.
1: Yeah. So Justin Herbert was my fifth quarterback in this class. Uh, I had a second to a third-round grade on him. I was about as low as you would see out there. Now, I was not alone in that. I actually talked to a lot of people. um, I, I won't name, you know, leave people on the record or whatever, but people that I do respect their opinion also kind of shared that sentiment um, in that he was much closer to a guy that ended up being a third round prospect in Jacob Eason uh, than anywhere close to some sort of top 10 prospect because of the between the ears stuff um, that we saw from Justin Herbert Uh, as of, you know, his physical traits are remarkable. The problem is How many Justin Herberts have we seen over the last 10 years? Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, uh, Mitch Trubisky, and guys that fit that physical profile. But when you really dive into not just their film and like the analytics, their accuracy, like all that stuff, more beyond that, their development trend was my biggest concern with Justin Herbert in that he was the same guy his sophomore year as he was his senior year. And the quarterback that played at Oregon last year is not a guy that I'm trusting as an NFL starter. Why are we going to expect that to change at the NFL level when we've seen so many years of him, quite frankly, not showing the intangibles to be the kind of guy that's not going to be able to live with himself. If he goes to sleep on some random Tuesday in July, knowing that he didn't become a better football player that day, if that makes sense, these true grinders that just, eat and breathe and die football like I don't think that's him because um, if you want to reach that level of, of top end quarterback play you really gotta you gotta dive in you gotta be all in and I just don't know if that's Justin Herbert Um I think if if they can rein him in get him to be comfortable with the scheme and really scheme him open and be a kind of that first read quarterback where the quarterback is almost living vicariously through him. You could be looking at a Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff caliber, like top 20 quarterback, because he really does have the ability to make all those throws and you can scheme up some nice play action, get him on the move. Maybe you even um, do some design runs. Like he can be serviceable, but that's like best case scenario for me. I just think we've seen enough guys like this. Um, that just didn't show that development and his just processing and that almost it factor that you don't want to really say, because no one wants to hear that because it's so subjective, but it really is to me just, that's not the guy I want. Like I didn't see that it factor from him.
3: Well, quarterbacks are really the only position you can talk about it factor because it's such a weird position to go and scout there. It's really, there's so many variables there. Uh, where do they land, what the scheme is they walk into, who the players around them are. And, you know, sometimes a quarterback just has it. Uh, then again, we all thought Baker Mayfield had it. And, you know, the it's the jury's still up on that one. Um, and so with, with quarterbacks, it's really hard to tell, is this player top 10 worthy? And this year, for me, the there were very few quarterbacks I'd be willing to take top 10. I know everybody really questioned how I liked Jordan Love. And for me, it was just because I believed that he was going to do something good when he took the field. And with Justin Herbert, when I watched his film, I didn't, I didn't get that feeling. I got a feeling of hesitation far too often, both on my part, hesitation and believing in Justin Herbert and on Justin Herbert's part of making a decision like right. at the snap of a finger. So for me, it was really hard to believe in Justin Herbert as a top 10 pick or even as a first round quarterback. And I, I that concern a lot for me. It's, it's more just, you know, when you watch him, there's just something missing. There's something missing. And a lot of people don't, don't like that answer because it's like, well, what is he missing? You got to tell us what he's missing. And I think it's just a, a little bit of everything from above the shoulders, there's a little bit of hesitation. There's a little bit of um, just misdiagnosing the, the coverage. There's a little bit of slow processing, being stuck on his first receiver. It's just a little bit of everything that kind of all adds up together, and you think, I, I don't think he can do it. But at the same time, like, I'm a Chargers fan, so I got to hope for the best here. So, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I watch the film now, and I'm like, well, he did that pretty good. But <laughs> that's not something I would have said before the draft either.
2: Yeah. We just got to hope at the end of the day that they are able to tap into those physical attributes because he does have a cannon, you know, his arm strength is incredible. Um, so Jason and I have kind of talked about this, about whether or not Justin Herbert should play this season or when he should play this season. If you were in the chargers coaching staff and you're, you know, Shane Steigen, the offensive coordinator, are you planning on playing Justin Herbert all season? Are you planning on putting him in the bye week or do you think he should sit the whole season?
1: I honestly, I would, I would have him as the day one starter for um the second mini camp opens. Um, I think we're in an age where it's much more about finding out if the guy can play, um, and true. it's not like he's in some spot where you know he's not for the Jets or one of these other teams where, like they don't have receivers, they don't have a defense to help him. Like if he can't play with this Chargers team at 23 years old, he's not gonna be able to figure it out. It's Mitch Trubisky all over again. What's I I guess I can understand, like get him up to speed, make sure he understands the playbook. You draft him sixth overall. I would hope you can figure that out over the course of the summer. Yeah. Um yeah. Like, I mean, it, it comes back to like the Baker Mayfield thing with Cleveland with Tyrod Taylor ahead of him. It was week three, and he came in and looked great. Um I just I don't fully understand what sitting him for four weeks is really going to do. Uh, I would want to see as much of him as I can possibly see
2: uh, and get him as much reps as possible. Yeah, there's definitely a, a, a fine line to walk with this kind of situation because it, it used to be like, oh, you dropped a quarterback, you sit him for a year, you know, Aaron Rodgers. and But now it's like everybody is kind of expecting these first-round quarterbacks to play right away. And, and you know, there's a whole baptism by fire type ar- type of argument. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how that pans out I know Jason thinks that he should be sitting there the whole rest of the season but
3: I'm a yeah it's a I, Rod Taylor fan
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do need to clarify like I definitely think there's room for the like draft and develop um, sort of like the Jordan Love in Green Bay or Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs I definitely think there's room for that when I think about Justin Herbert though it's like he's he started his entire career at Oregon. Um, it's not like one of these quarterbacks that didn't have a ton of snaps under his belt. He's not super raw, quote unquote. Um, he, he, it's it's just tough. I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. I just don't look at Herbert that way. I guess as this sort of like, you know,
3: Mahomes, Jordan Love, like he needs to sit. I think Herbert should be able to figure it out early. Well, I guess I guess part of the reasoning for me there. Is, is um opposite of what i would do which i i've said i wanted him to sit for a year i guess the argument against that is he played four years at oregon and i i never saw any development so if he didn't develop on the field what makes me think he could develop off the field
1: Mm -hmm. and the other thing i'm missing here is there's not a guy ahead of him (laughs) like you're not sitting behind aaron Rodgers, you're not sitting behind even alex smith who was a really good quarterback at the time like They need him. They need Justin Herbert to come in and be an NFL caliber quarterback. I guess that's the other thing I was missing uh, for that whole case, but I'm, I'm totally with you. Like I think playing should only help him figure out some of these things. I don't know what sitting is truly going to do.
2: That's a, that's a fair point for sure. So in in general, you know, the Chargers they're moving in this state of transition. Phillip rivers is gone. Justin Herbert, we don't know yet Uh, assuming it's going to be Justin Herbert at least for next year. Uh, They did some good things in free agency that at least me and Jason feel like they did some good things. Uh, How do you see this, the direction of this team? Like, are are you from the outside looking in, do you like the direction the Chargers are going or are you kind of lower on the Chargers than, than obviously Chargers fans would be?
1: I've always been a big kind of Chargers truther. I, I think Tom Telesco, though I was surprised he actually pulled the trigger on, Herbert, I think in general, they're actually a really good front office and it's a hell of a talented football team. Chargers is just such a weird team because for one, you have the whole home field thing. Um, Like they just, they don't have that true home field advantage. And maybe this new stadium changes that. Um, But I do think that that's been a factor for this team. Home field is a very real thing. So that knocks them down. Uh, And then now you have this rookie quarterback thing. So there's, there's been things over the last, I would say two years that have taken me lower on the future outlook of this Chargers team from a kind of culture standpoint. Um, I think this team's best, best path to success is going to be through this defense becoming an elite, like 2017 Jags unit, 2018 bears unit. And I think they have the roster talent to get that done. Uh, So, but when I think of elite defenses that I can't picture it without a roaring home field advantage, if that makes sense. Uh, It's just a unique situation. It could be done. Um, It's just, that's just kind of the, you know, devil on the shoulder. When I think about the upside of this team. Yeah. I love, I love everything that this team has done from repairing the offensive line to putting this defense and the secondary together Everything other than the quarterback position right now, uh, I'd be excited about this team.
3: While we're talking about defense and state of the roster, um, the Chargers did give up a second and third round pick, essentially bumping up their second round pick to a late first to select Kenneth Murray. What are your thoughts on Murray, and do you think he fits that four three defense that the Chargers are going for? That does he does he improve the defense day one for the Chargers?
1: Yeah, I, I understood that pick um he he's a player i really liked i mean you want to talk about it factor like he had it at the linebacker spot like the leadership that you want from that position he has the size to thump and he also has the athleticism to cover really that true do-it-all linebacker he's kind of like devin white coming out last year um i i get why they made that move um definitely was the biggest missing piece on that defense as well. I think he fits the scheme, especially when you look at what they do with Derwin as kind of in a way, a weak side linebacker, kind of the outside of the parameter of the tackles and kind of locking down that part of the field. But the middle of that defense has been kind of a black hole in a bad way. And I think, yeah, I think that he, they looked at him as the guy that like, He's going to fix this thing. Like, we feel really good about him. And I I think they're right. Like, a lot of times when teams trade up, it's like, why'd you do that? There might have been other options that could have done the same thing. I think they're probably right about Kenneth Murray as the one guy in this class that was like, he can just fix that for us. And I don't care if it costs two picks to do it. Uh, I think, I think, you know, I'm more, I more like that pick than I didn't.
2: So that's always good. Um, Yeah, (laughs) Kenneth Murray. (laughs) Kenneth Murray, we were both really excited when that pick happened, you know, especially – I don't want to say we were disappointed in the Justin Herbert selection, but it was I wasn't. was
3: disappointed. I just want to clarify, <laughs> I, I <Okay>. was. <laughs> Everybody saw me put, like, face palms, so yeah, I, I was. <laughs> I was trying to be a little optimistic, but uh, I, for me,
2: the Kenneth Murray pick was was very exciting because, it, like you said, it was, it was the missing piece. And then, you know, the outside corner position opposite of Casey Hayward isn't great – But, you know, I I felt like the linebacker position was definitely the weakest uh, link on the defense. And so I'm really excited about Kenneth Murray. Um, So my last question for you, obviously, you know, the Chiefs are the Super Bowl – are the defending Super Bowl champs. Excuse me. Uh, We already talked about Drew Locke a little bit. How do you see the AFC West out, uh, playing out, and do you think anyone can really catch the Chiefs in this division? (laughs) <laughs> it's funny
1: because I'm really optimistic about the the Broncos outlook and I'm pretty optimistic about the Chargers outlook too. Like I think even without that home field thing, they're going to have a top 10 defense as long as I, I think it's going to be Herbert, as long as he isn't a complete and utter train wreck. I don't think he's going to be good, but if he can kind of do what Trubisky did for the bears in 2018, like I think the Chargers can win 10 games maybe I, I don't I haven't given a deep look at their schedule and I think the Broncos have a lot of hope as well but this Chiefs team is just a different animal right now right they kept everyone yeah and they brought in Willie Gay and Clyde Edwards Laird in the draft no I I wouldn't be betting it no matter what kind of odds you gave me I think it's going to take a lot of injuries to knock the Chiefs off the top this year. Maybe next year,
3: though, when they got to start paying Mahomes and maybe lose some of these guys. Absolutely. And that's like, that's the only thing Chargers fans can hope for right now is you got to pay Mahomes. You see it on Chargers Twitter all the time. There's like, well, just wait until you pay Mahomes $250 million Um, because they're going to pay Mahomes whatever Mahomes wants. And honestly, they could put a crap team around Mahomes. And I'm not convinced that they would be that much worse. That dude is amazing. Um, and it's really just a struggle to watch from the get go. I remember that very first game where we were all like, "Man, there was reports that Mahomes sucked in practice all offseason. This is gonna be fine," and he just torches the Chargers' beloved defense. And I was like, oh.
2: "Well, to be fair, Tyree Kill had like three eighty-yard catches that game, where it was clear that Julia Day had him, you know, dead in the eyes and."
3: We Just, don't talk yeah. about Jalila Die here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
1: this is a Jalila Die
3: free podcast. <laughs> yeah. Listen, when you have to suffer through Jalila Die for 16 weeks, it's painful. It is hey, was. do I need to remind
1: you that I suffered through 2 years of Kentrell Bryce?
3: Oh, I remember that. Oh, man. <laughs> um yeah, Kentro now imagine imagine Blake Martinez as your deep cover three safety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what it was like. But uh, 70 tackles instead of 130. <laughs> oh, Blake. Oh, Blake. Are you sad to see him go? <laughs> no. Um,
1: it was like the one saving grace of the Packers offseason was – Addition by subtraction.
3: I was so certain that they were going to draft Evan Weaver after well, that. You know, I, I, oh, yeah. I was 100% sure that's what was going to happen. Ugh, mm-hmm. It's a shame.
2: <laughs> All right, guys. That'll do it for this episode for the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm Steven. You can follow me at Stephen I. Hagland and at GC Podcast 17. Make sure and follow Marcus as well and, and tune into his YouTube channel. It's A lot of high-quality content out there as well. And you can follow Jason at Centauri13. See you guys next time.
4: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.